0: Abraham faces an impossibility, but he does so by faith and stands out in scriptures as a model for us to follow. That's next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Done for me. Got some impossibility in front of you? Maybe the doctor says it's cancer stage four. There are some things in life that are just out of our control, but that's the time to look up in faith to the one who is in control. Of course, that's God. Today on Abounding Grace, Abraham is tested by God and would pass with flying colors, not in his own strength, but by faith. As we join Pastor Ed Taylor in Hebrews chapter 11, keep an eye out for how God wants to connect with you in a very personal way.
1: So God calls Abraham and it says he's tested. He's been prepared. Back at Genesis 22 now, he's been prepared, he's been coached, and now it's examination time. Now it's the test. And in the Hebrew, this word literally means to prove the worth or value of. Abraham is about to face a remarkable, ironic test. He's waited for 25 years for this promised child. Now God's saying, give him back. Give him back as an offering. And it's an extraordinary test, an unusual test. And there's a, there's a difference. We're not going to develop it here, but you can go to James if you like. There's a difference between the testings of God and the temptations of sin. God is not the author of temptation to sin. He's not the author of what the devil's doing, and the world system in your flesh to tempt you. The temptations are to draw you away from God, but the testings are to draw you closer to God. They're to prove you. And you go, well, what do you mean, prove me? Did God not know that Isaac, uh, did God not know the faith of Abraham? No, No, actually, he did know the faith of Abraham. You know who didn't know the faith of Abraham? Abraham. And God was revealing to him the depth of his faith. I'm shocked at times in my own life, I'm sure you are as well, that, man, I didn't know I had that faith. I didn't know that I could face that trial. I mean, you look at your own life, and you look back, you go, man, I, I, I just, I didn't know I had it in me. But God lives in you. So of course we have it in us, but it's the tests that reveal that. And I want you to notice too that in this test, it came in a very sensitive area of his life. Very sensitive. Abraham loved his son Isaac. He's already had to deal with the issue with Ishmael. And God is asking him to give up his love. The love of his life. The the hope of him in his heart. Uh, you could say this, and, and I don't mean it in the sense that his son was his possession, but by way of application, I think you could say, God was asking Abraham for his prized possession. And, and I do know that there are parents that value their kids more than anything else. They value their kids more than their marriage, value their kids more than anything, value, sometimes value their kids more than their relationship with God. I'm not sure where Abraham fits in this in this area, but I do know that he loved Isaac very much, very sensitive. It, it, you could say that, that all of the time in, in Abraham's life with Isaac was just, it's all about Isaac, all about Isaac, all about Isaac. And now God's saying, are you going to give up your Isaac? Will you give up your prized possession? Or how about this as another application? Do you, will you, are you willing to lay aside your passion or that prized possession? Or maybe so you can say this. Today, God is asking you, will you give up your Isaac for him? Will you give up your Isaac Oh, I'm not talking about your kids. God's not doing This was a very unique one-time event that pointed very specifically, prophetically, messianically to the coming Savior. This isn't repeated again. God's not going to, you come up to, come up, walk down the aisle. When we got, start to gather again, you walk up the aisle and go, you know what, Ed, God spoke to me. I'm supposed to walk up to one of the peaks over here on the Rocky Mountains and sacrifice my kid. We will not let you do that. I don't think that's from the Lord at all. That's not his desire. But I can say this, you know, the truck that you're polishing and making sure it's all clean, everything you're doing to it, and you're just hugging your truck, loving your truck. Like, like if that's, and, and God says, will you give that up for the sake of supporting a missionary? Uh, don't have many people come up telling me that. Oh, I think God told me to. if you came up and said, I think God told me to sell my, tr- sell my truck, get a used car so I can support a missionary. Hey, how can we help you? And what missionary do you want to support? Because you know we hold on to things and we cling to things. And the question is not, I'm not telling you to sell your truck or whatever. The question is this, are you willing to release it? Because the things you're not willing to release, God will show you how tight of a hold you have on them to the point where you don't care anymore and then you just have a hard heart and then you start to distance yourself. The test with with Abraham here is his, it says right here in verse 2, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, to go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there. And so, notice in verse 3, I have these circled. You might want to circle these because it shows the action, action, action. Obedience always leads to more obedience. So it says Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him, two of his young men, and Isaac, and he split the wood. And he arose and went to the place. That's a life of faith. It's action, 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 and, action, and, action, and, and over and over again. And this is, no hesitation, continued, deliberate obedience in every area, considering it all. And it says in in verse 4 that for three days, and this is a hard one to consider, but for three days, Isaac was dead in the heart of Abraham. Abraham. For three days. Again, that three days is very important because it points to the prophecy of Jesus being in the tomb. Dead for three days and rising again on the third. And it says in verse 5 that Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And, And the lad, the young man... My 25-year-old son, (laughs) like the the man there, we we have this word lad uh, in, I have a a reference here I wrote down, the young man. But the guy that can beat Abraham, old Abraham's old. He was old when he had him. So now he's 20 plus years older. Uh, Easily could have flipped Abraham around. Uh, But here he says, me and my grown son are going to go on yonder and worship. They knew they were going to worship. They knew this was a time of worship, a time of faith and obedience is always worship. You think of worship, when I say, what do you, what, what'd you think of worship today? Almost always, you're gonna say, well, I like that song, I didn't like that song. But worship's not just song. Worship is life. And sure, worship has room in music, but they're going up, all of this of Abraham is an act of worship. And then he expresses his faith here I don't know if he knew what would happen, how it would happen. I don't know even if he could conceive following through. All I know is in his heart, he knew that Isaac would be alive. Perhaps tying it together to life coming from the deadness of his womb. Notice, he took the wood in verse six, the burnt offering laid it on Isaac, took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father and said, "Dad." Or in my Bible, it says, My father. <laughs> it's like, Dad, what are you doing? Uh, and he said, Here I am, son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, there's some debate on whether in the original text, whether the word for belongs here. In some translations, in some commentaries, they would say, my son, God will provide himself, he will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering and the two of them went together. So here's Isaac carrying the wood, wondering what the offering's for, not quite understanding what's happening, what, what's going on. He does have a question, where's the lamb? Don't understand it. Uh, I, don't, I don't see, you, 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 you're not explaining to me what's happening. And it's easy to think of the great sacrifice of Abraham, but consider Isaac in his mid-20s. Could have easily overpowered this 120-year-old dad, but he's obedient even to the point of death, the death of a cross. Verse nine, they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there. Now, building an altar, if you follow Abraham's life, this is what he did. He would go somewhere, build an altar. He was a man of worship. So this is not unusual, he builds the altar, places the wood in order, but then he binds Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar at the end of verse 9 upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes, looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Or you might know this as Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Now, In this dramatic event, we see how Abraham passes the test. He comes through with flying colors. It is a challenging time, but there on Mount Moriah, God will provide. And it'll be in the most challenging time for you that you'll learn of the provision of God. It'll be in the most challenging time for you as, as your faith is tested, as you're trusting God, even in your lack of understanding. You know, it wasn't just go to a place I'm going to show you, Abraham, but he had to learn to trust God in something he didn't understand for something later that he wouldn't understand. Because listen, you're in the midst of a situation right now. You're like, well, I, I want to understand it. I want to understand it. I want to understand it. And maybe, maybe, maybe God will let you understand it. But I promise you there's another situation coming you won't understand. Like full understanding now is not going to be, it might be for an event. It might be for an episode, but maybe not. And I'll tell you for sure, it's not going to be the rest of your life because God's ways are not our ways. His plans are not our plans. His his means are not our means. And he'll explain to us or reveal to us what he wants us to know. Otherwise, he's going to teach us to trust him. And you can see in Abraham's life over and over and over again, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Trust me. And it's an amazing thing how God does provide for him. Come back now to Hebrews 11 as we tie up. That is the, the true story behind this amazing statement of Abraham. And I've been encouraged. It caused me to go back to Genesis and keep reading and meditating on the life of Abraham as I've been looking and putting these studies together because... We read it in just a couple verses, and we have to go back and connect. By faith, we got that. Abraham, okay, when he was tested, offered. He offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. I mean, we just built in last time how Sarah and they waited. They got the promise and then they, they received the promise and then the promise was fulfilled and all that waiting time finally fulfilled and, and now so quickly to be offered up. And the key was in verse 19. This is an act that all of us can have and that is we need to learn to account or that word can be also translated reasoned or calculate. So you think you could say uh, that Isaac was offered up because Abraham reasoned that God was able, that he accounted that God was able, and that he calculated. And this is real important for you guys that like to, you know, you're a numbers person, you're a numbers guy, numbers guy, and you calculate this, well, good, because you have it in you. So now you take that piece of you, and you have that in you already, and you begin to calculate the faithfulness of God into your circumstance. Because if you fail to calculate the faithfulness of God into your circumstance, the circumstances will overwhelm you. And are we not in a time in our culture right now where people are overwhelmed, they're fearful, maybe even you as a believer, like like think of what you're feeling. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Your eternity is secure. You, You have the forgiveness of your sins, the guilt and shame removed from your life. You're a new creation in Christ, a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. God has delivered you from this addiction and that addiction. He's given you new life, new purpose. He's rescued you, redeemed you, rescued your marriage. Gave On and on the list goes. And you're still afraid. Can you imagine for a moment, people that don't have a relationship with God, the depth of that fear? It would be too easy to say, oh, you know, what are you afraid of? What are you talking about? What are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? Well, it's the circumstance. That's what it is. It's the things outside of our control. That's what we're afraid. That's what I'm afraid of. When fear raises up in me, especially in this time, like, of course, I'm concerned. And then my concerns get connected to people. And I'm concerned for this people. I'm concerned for the elderly in our congregation, in our neighborhood. I'm concerned about a lot of things. But when I start thinking about it, I'm training myself to account that God is faithful. And that changes things. When I account and calculate and reason that God's faithful, then I can rest in trusting him. And automatically my faith is built up. And it doesn't, you know, I don't have faith for next week. I don't have faith for next year. I just have faith for right now, abiding in Christ. And that's all Abraham had. We read this, I mean, we read 17, 18, and 19 in seconds. But this was an episode of his life. It took days. This was days in the life of Abraham. And I just, he encourages us here. Both Abraham and Isaac encourage us here. There are times in our lives when we're tested, when God is asking us to let go of the most precious things in our lives. It doesn't fit with our logic. Sometimes it doesn't fit with our theology. Not, I don't mean true, like just solid biblical theology, but our own theology, how we approach things. But it'll never contradict the scriptures. Because we can make things up along the way that really aren't Scripture. It's just our own personal theology, our own understanding of God. And so what does God do? He allows something to challenge our own understanding of God so that we can come to a better biblical perspective of who God is. And He'll allow these things in our lives. I'm smiling right now, but I don't always like it. I don't always embrace it. I don't always want it. But God is faithful. And one of the things we learned, I I didn't point it out to you, but I want to do it now. Back in Genesis chapter 22, this true episode in the life of Abraham and Isaac, in all of the Bible, is the first mention of love. It's the first mention of love, and the context is a father to his son. Which that picture of father to son is a picture and a type of God the Father, and God the Son. And that unique love relationship within the Godhead. But what do we learn through trials and temptations? And what do we learn specifically through testings? We learn that God is love. That's what we learn of the nature of God's love for us. He lets us go all the way to the end. It's often at the last second. At least what we perceive. Like it's not anything new. Like like we perceive that God rescues us at the last possible second. No, he already knew he was going to rescue there. You just think it's the last possible second. He came right on time. There isn't a time in our lives that God is not on time. He's not early. He's not late. He's always on time. I know it feels like, oh, oh, just, oh, I don't know how long I could have lasted. Well, God already knew. And we learned that he loves us all along the way. And I, I know that we can say with definitive proof that we are better people because of the tests of God. This is a text, again, I don't have uh, time to develop it here, but this is also a test, text and I, in case you ever meet somebody, it's not so popular. It was popular a few years ago. It comes back from time to time. It's called open theism. It's a false teaching. It's a false understanding of the character and nature of God that basically says, God doesn't know anything until It happens that he's not all-knowing, all-powerful, he's not omni-anything, and it's just, so they come here and go, oh, now, you know, God said, oh, now I know Abraham as if he didn't know before. But I want you to think about it. I want you to think about this for a second. First of all, we know in other places that God says he's all-knowing, he demonstrates it, we know that. But, But let me give you something in the personal realm, let me give you something that you can consider. If you were a teacher up on the whiteboard of your second grade class, math class, and you're teaching kids math, and you wanting to learn math, so you go up there, and you write to the class, and you say, repeat after me, class, when I'm writing on the board, and you write the number two, and the class says two, and then you write the plus sign, plus, and then you write another two, and the rest of the class says two, and then you write the equal sign, equal, so you get the point, we're all in this together, the class is excited, but you don't give the answer, and then you point at the board, and what does the classroom say? four. And then you as a teacher say, now I know you guys know two plus two. Was that something that the teacher just learned in that moment or was she testing them so that they could know? I propose to you that we use that phraseology all the time in our our common language that the math teacher knew already like she didn't know two plus two is four. Oh, now I know it's four, or now I know. We use the same terminology. Don't fall for open theism. It's not true. It's not biblical. Uh, to, to imagine, imagine for a moment. Again, I didn't want to develop it, but I've got a little bit here. Imagine for a moment that God says, oh, I didn't know what happened. Wow, it's good to know, Ed. Good to know, Keegan. That's it. That's great. No, nope. no, that's not how God is. What we learn is God is love what we learn. Right, A.B.? We learn that God is love. That's what we learn. And he so loved the world. And that's why I'm here today. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Everlasting life is ours. And the measure of his love is unending. We'll still be learning of his grace and his love because we love because he first loved us. And what's important for us as we gather, gather together, gather online, listening this on a radio station in some other state in some other country, streaming on the, the whole point of being revealed, being reminded of the love of God is because God loves you. It's not some abstract concept. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And the whole scenario of Abraham and Isaac actually isn't about Abraham and Isaac as much as it is about God and his son Jesus Christ wanting to connect in your life. So this study of faith is so amazing, so encouraging. This is Abounding
0: Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Especially during the pandemic, depression and anxiety had been on the rise. And maybe that's something you or someone you know has been dealing with. We want to help you by sending you an insightful book called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. Author Edward Welch compassionately addresses the complex nature of depression, applying the rich treasures found in the Bible. There is a way out of the darkness, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877 30 GRACE. Again, 877 30 GRACE. You can also order this and many other resources through our e store at calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at aboundinggraceradio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, next time you're going to spotlight the verse, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. What can we expect
1: in our next study? Well, you know, Larry, moving into learning about, in this hall of faith, the life of Isaac, it's an encourage. We come from the highlands of Abraham and his offering now to Isaac, whose name means laughter. And it's, it's amazing that Isaac becomes, uh, to his family, a miracle child, uh, despite the odds, like God is faithful. I like what Pastor Chuck Smith writes. He says, when impossible situations arise, we need to remember that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. These battles are not against us. They're against God and no one can move our God. And if you're worried or distressed about a problem, you haven't come to a real trust in God yet. The moment you place the whole situation in God's hands, worry will go away, fear and anxiety will disappear, and we can learn to rest in God. And that's something we're going to look at as we study, continuing to study faith uh, and looking at Isaac, whose, again, name means laughter. He was a gift, uh, a miraculous gift to his family. And I know that uh, as we are moving forward, one of the things I want you to look out for is how... Rarely we want to walk by faith. What we want is to walk by understanding. We want things explained to us. But we'll learn Isaac is a child of faith, and he lives by faith, and God is going to use him in tremendous ways. So stay tuned. It's going to be good.
0: That is Monday on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. Be sure to return for that. This is amazing grace.